Welcome, everyone, to another episode of After Further Review. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, the departed Jeff Taylor. He's he's just not on the... He's, he's doing... Not here. He's not he's departed. He's departed our show. No, see, it, this is he incorrect in any... Hold on. In any show. number of ways, that's incorrect. Because for him to have departed the show, that would have meant that he was on the show now that was happening, and then he left. He's departed... He is in the overall narrative of the show. He is part of the show, and now he's not part of the show. He's departed the show I for today. Give, I give up. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's really man. You gave up that ghost very, I really, very it's, quickly. It's, I, mean, I can't get into Ferrer Land. I just that's it. that's it. We weren't even close to Ferrer Land on that one. Well, let me tell you something. Here's My the thing. I don't need I don't need the exit sign for Ferrer Land. I know where it is. All right. I can drive I, here without my GPS. I know, but the thing is, is even if it says uh, Ferrer Land 480 miles away, you get scared and turn around. I do, yeah. You do. All right, so what's not going to make you or I scared on this yep. particular broadcast is that we actually have someone who knows what they're talking about, who actually does preparation, John Pelkey. I'm sorry. Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a word... That pre, is, let me break it down. I was in a pre, do before, before, per, doesn't really fit. <laughs> a, Asian. So it's prep. It's before the P. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There it is. All it's right, fair enough. Before the P, and it's preparation, and he studies film all day long. He loves it. He actually loves doing it. And he's going to break down all six of these playoff games, John Belfi. It's a fun weekend, man. I'm yeah. telling you, it is I a agree. fun weekend. And you know what, Mark? I have to say, um, the vast majority of the stuff that I saw agreed with After Further Review that the most interesting and difficult-to-call game of the weekend is the Ravens and the Titans. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that That's the one where n- either team, it wouldn't surprise either you or I, whoever wins, will not be surprising to us. Yeah. Um, Whereas the other ones, you, you know, you're still going to be a little, you'd be a little surprised if the Bills were upset. You'd be really surprised if the Washington football team could beat, um, uh, could beat Tampa Bay. The Rams and the Seahawks are a little bit different, and until we really know the quarterback, but that Ravens-Titans game is just, it, boy, tough. Toughest one to call. So I'm putting every penny in my, that I have on it, because I All think right. it, it, it'll pay off. So I would be on the show on Monday, or my wife will look guilty. It'll, it'll pay off for you. Okay. All right. Taking the Titans. Very good. Uh, all right. So, so here so here, here we go. Let's bring in uh, Derek Abbott first. We're going to talk about maybe the first game. We'll go to our progressive trivia, and uh, we'll uh, look at some other games as well as we move along. But please, welcome to the show once again, the man that increases our viewer and listenership by well over 250%. Derek Abbott, there he is. Already in frame, not sliding into the frame. Already in frame. Congratulations, well done. No, no how how you doing, Derek? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. No, no Collins worth sliding. No, we're we, we got to work on that. I do appreciate the fact that the Coast Guard Academy's uniforms look so much like Florida Gator uniforms. So that picture behind you, I'm just picturing as our wonderful effort against. Okay. Moving on. You mean vice versa? that Florida Gators look like the U.S. Coast Guard cat. 
Uh, yes. Well, they certainly did. Uh, you guys would have kept it closer than they did against Oklahoma. I promise you that. They rolled, Talk about they rolled, they rolled off some like all white uniforms this year, um, and everybody thought that they were the coolest things ever. And I'm looking at them like, those are our uniforms. <laughs> you copied us. All you did was put a Michael Jordan logo on them. We have three strikes and a bear. <laughs> I prefer the Adidas, quite fair. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the Jordan on the uniforms. It bothers me. The whole, uh, you know, e- even though he would have made a hell of a tight end with hands that size at six six. Jordan is a. T- yeah. We we want to welcome uh, members of the Coast Guard Academy who have joined us. Names I haven't recognized at all, but perhaps Derek can. Nas and Travis, are they members of the team or members of the staff, Derek? Uh, they're members of my dad's friends. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So, well, so many uh, things I could say now, but I won't. Congratulations. We welcome you to the show. Perhaps your dad is actually uh, doing a little marketing for AFR. I have no idea. He probably doesn't <laughs> even watch this. He don't even want to listen to me on a regular basis. Mark, you, 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 you confused the phrase uh, drinking beer this early with marketing. I think that's again, John, you're not the first to accuse me of being confused in any <laughs> given thing I ever say. And you Nor will I be the last. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, Derek. So yeah. we're going to just go in order of uh, of or- in order of appearance uh, in, <laughs> okay. in order of the way they're scheduled on, on the TV. And the first one is a fun one. To your point, John, that's probably number two, maybe, would you say, in terms of people going they wouldn't be that surprised after Baltimore, Tennessee. Yeah. The next one, because of Buffalo's inexperience, because of the unknown of the weather. If the winds blow, you know, in Buffalo, they're right on a lake, I believe, and the wind could blow. And that it is right on a lake. Yes. That could screw with, the, you know, Josh Allen in a big way. It, uh, it, it could. And I also think uh, for, for Derek with this Colts Bills game, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the Colts defense and they have an excellent defense. And that's really been what's carried them this year. But I think most of us, myself included, we're not really sure what the Colts offense is. So, here we go. First game tomorrow, one o'clock in Orchard Park. First, uh, first game in Orchard Park, I believe, Mark, since the George H. W. Bush uh, administration. Um, first, the Colts' offense. Can you explain to everybody what this offense is and what you think they can do? Well, they, they really emerged with Jonathan Taylor and the way that they're using him, especially in the run game. They really built their entire offense. Um, around him it's actually something that we talked about early in the year that I thought that would happen maybe er, like maybe the first couple weeks and really I think that uh, Taylor has kind of emerged as their feature back and and I think a lot of it has to do with him understanding the flow and the vision uh, of NFL lines and and reading blocks and things like that especially when he's in a single back in the backfield not necessarily in the gun as much just because he can understand flow and, and schemes and then he can cut and go. Um, he's also done a really good job in the pass protection um, aspect. You saw him pick up a crossfire blitz against the Steelers two weeks ago. That was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the linebacker came through the B gap. He came on a play action or a play fake from one A gap and then cut. I believe it was Vince Williams or whoever the linebacker was on the other side and Rivers hits a touchdown deep to T.Y. Hilton. So they're really just using him in a lot of different ways. Um, they did run at one concept also going back against the Steelers that they actually succeeded two out of three times called a sale concept where you run a guy into the flat, basically run a corner or an out and then a, a, a takeoff from the outside guy. Um, 
they threw it to Jack Doyle twice just because of the matchup of getting a linebacker on a um, on a tight end um, really served them well. I think they converted two big third downs off of it. Now, the last one, Joe Hayden ended up, I believe it was Joe Hayden, um, breaking the ball up and actually it, it ended up sealing the game for the Steelers. But they do a lot of great things offensively, especially in the run game. Um, I don't know that you want Phillip Rivers to completely take over this game. I think that you want to – the best offense is essentially – um, or the best defense is essentially your offense for the, for the Colts. Um, you don't want to get into a high score and match with the Buffalo Bills just because they're kind of attracting just the same way that Kansas City is. Um, so I think that, you know, just sustaining long drives, mm-hmm. chewing clock, I think that that's kind of their, their key to success. And, and a lot of times, too, um, I think that, you know, the, the Bills, the, I think that they're, you know, mostly a nickel defense Um so giving them light boxes too, um, and, and really now their defense has played better down the stretch, mm-hmm. um, especially after their bye week too. But you know, obviously, running the ball is probably the most efficient way to attack this defense. Well, there you go. So you have uh, you know have the the most efficient way to win the ball game offensively for the Colts, and you have the most uh, efficient way to actually have that work because I guess the vulnerability in the Bills' defense is. Uh, is with the run because of the way the nature of their defensive scheme. So in that sense, uh, like it would naturally, the real matchup is all about the Bills offense versus the Colts defense. And that's a pretty fun matchup. to it is. Yeah, that's one of the best defenses out there and one of the best offenses out there. How do you see this shaking down? Well, I think that the Bills offense is just playing in such a great rhythm. They're so comfortable in what they're doing. Even like the little nuances of where like Allen will drop back and it looks like, you know, his controller died and he just sits there and it's like, what happened? Like, did he just stop (laughs) playing mid game? And then he hits somebody over the middle Hmm. or there was one play versus the Dolphins where Stephon Diggs basically like walks off the line of scrimmage and the Dolphins defender is just so confused. He's like, I I don't know what to do. (laughs) <laughs> like what is he doing and then Allen ends up hitting him it was like a um it was a, a first and 10 there was like eight minutes left in the second quarter and he runs like a little hitch and then a dig route from Gabe Davis behind him and that's the play that I'm talking about and I've only seen that maybe one other couple times when I was at Lindenwood we had it we called it like a walk-off slant where the receiver would just walk and take a couple steps and the DB is like, well, what is he doing? What, why is he walking? And then he, and then he goes. <laughs> that's so, like street football. He did that with kids is. in street football. So that's where I was saying, like, they're just so comfortable with what they're doing right now. Um, and obviously, you know, why they can't play, can't play a, 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 an impact on this game just because of how Buffalo is and how windy it could be. But this is a team that, probably practices outside and practices mm-hmm. in these conditions. So I don't think that it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, in, in terms of the way that the, the Colts can really stop them, the last couple of weeks they've been doing something really interesting, which primarily, you know, in the first half against the Steelers, they played a lot of cover six, uh, which is basically cover four to one side, cover two to another side. Four plus two is six. Some people call it eight. I'm not going to argue over how you want to add or multiply your coverages, but basically it's cover six. They do some cover two stuff. So a lot of two high structures. Well, against the Steelers later in the game, they went to a more single high look. And then last week versus Jacksonville, they went to more single high and they ran some man stuff. Um, I don't think I posted it on Facebook. You cannot play man coverage against the Buffalo bills. Um, They have too many weapons um, and they will take the top off at any point. 
Um, you want to make this Bills team really earn every drive. You want to force them to throw underneath, force Josh Allen to throw those seven-yard dink and dunk passes, which he's done this year, and that's part of his growth and progression. But um, the, the forcing or allowing him to to throw the ball down the field at digs and, st- and things of that nature, I don't know that that's the the winning key to to the Colts defense. I I, I think you got to play the two high structure. I think you got to keep everything in front of you, and really hope that you get a stop. You can tackle in space, and I think that. The Bills not having Cole Beasley, who is that guy who is twitchy, who is the underneath route runner um, that can make guys miss sort of the Welker type, the Edelman type. I think that that hurts. So you might see more digs maybe in the slot or, you know, running comebacks and curls on the outside. Uh, Do the Colts have a tendency to blitz a lot? And with Allen's uh, athleticism, is that even a good idea? Um, They do. Uh, They actually blitz been a pretty good amount um every now and then they and it's never really on third downs either um it's usually early in the down so if you can blitz early in the down and get buffalo into maybe a you know second and 13 right or third and 11 i think obviously that suits every defense that's (laughs) that's much better to be doing it doesn't matter what team it is right they have a tendency to blitz earlier in the down um than they do later in it it's just, it's, I, I tell you, it, it really is, as chess match football goes, it's the one that I find the most interesting. And again, I think, Mark, some of that has to do with the fact that the Colts have been just sort of this quiet thing that's moved forward. I, I do want to ask Derek one more quick question about this one, because Philip Rivers uh, early on uh, seemed, you know, you can get two different Philip Rivers, and he is a, a Hall of Fame level quarterback. I think everyone would agree. But particularly over the last few years, he has thrown some untimely interceptions, not that they're ever timely, but bad interceptions. Um how it, 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 he seems to have grown in this offense, and I think a lot of it simply has to do with the fact that he didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this move to Indy because of COVID, not spending a lot of time with him. How do you see that he's playing right now? Well, he's another one. He's similar to Roethlisberger. He gets the ball out quick. Um, you know, obviously they're not mobile quarterbacks anymore, and I don't know that Rivers really ever was. Right. Um, but he gets the ball out quick. He distributes it well. And Rivers is one of those quarterbacks that is willing to take those dink and dunk seven and eight yard passes right. and live with it and be patient. A lot of quarterbacks aren't. You get frustrated. You're tired of throwing slants and hitches and, um, you know, quick ends. And it's like, I just want to take a deep shot. And then when you take the deep shot, it's end up when you get an interception here or there. But Rivers is patient enough that he'll dink and dunk you to death. Um, and if I can make one more point about what we talked about earlier with when you call this a chess match, this is going back to the Buffalo offense versus their def- versus the Colts defense. Um, one of the things that Brian Dayball has done a great job for Josh Allen this year is giving him keys and indicators as to what the defense is running. So whether it's setting a guy in motion that if a running back goes in motion, does a linebacker go with him? Is if you align a, a, a linebacker, excuse me, a running back out as a receiver who is covering him is it a is it a corner that usually indicates zone coverage or is it a linebacker that indicates man coverage so that really helps josh Allen understand what he's seeing now on the flip side of it the colts have done this in the past where they have disguised these things i believe last year they played houston um later in the might might have been the playoff game maybe mm-hmm. i don't remember it was later in the season but the Colts actually fooled Deshaun Watson by sending Houston sent the running back out into the 
uh, he was the number one receiver to the left side. So, and Darius Leonard followed him. So thinking in quarterback's terms, a linebacker just followed a running back. That means man coverage. Mm -hmm. They ended up playing cover two. So they disguised, they messed with the quarterback's indicator. So you could see some of that. And mm -hmm. I think that that's some of the stuff that that is the chess match that you really alluded to. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting because I just remembered that from last year. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder if they're going to do this that – they could maybe mess with 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 Allen. And don't it's think a, Frank Reich doesn't know that. By the way, I do want to point this out. I just checked 36 degrees, uh, winds only 5 to 10 miles an hour, partly cloudy. So I don't think weather really is going to play into this tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I think it's hilarious that, you know, quarterbacks spend, you know, weeks and weeks and months and months learning indicators for how to read a defense. And all the defense is doing during that time is saying, OK, well, they're learning this. Yep. Let's mess with that. Yeah. Let's it's let's 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 basically use the fact that they've studied so hard against them. Actually, yep. I do want to ask one more follow up about Cole Beasley. I'm I'm concerned about that. He's out and. Technically, officially, Stefan Diggs is listed as questionable. Stefan Diggs had 100, oh, I don't know, 87 catches this year. Not really. I think 135 <laughs> or something like that. Cole Beasley had 82. The next receiver down is, is in the 30s. Without that number two guy, without Alvin Harper next to Michael Irvin, you know, without John Taylor next to Jerry Rice, of course, my references are 25 years ago. Um, <laughs> But those number two guys, literally, when when the Rams lost Hakeem, what was his name? It was the third guy. It wasn't Torrey Holt. It wasn't Isaac Bruce. But when they lost that third option. Oz Hakeem. Oz right. Hakeem. Right. Uh, it makes a difference, Derek. And are, is, is, is Indianapolis going to be able to take advantage of that and just bracket digs the whole time? And then let the rest of them beat them, which they haven't, you know, they haven't really done that the rest of the, the rest of the season. Well, when you bracket guys, um, and, and not always the case, um, a lot of if you're going to bracket some people, you might be playing man across it. And that's where I was saying you don't want to play man coverage. Um, Gabe Davis has been playing rookie out of uh, UCF, um, has been really playing well and he's been really coming along. So he's another deep threat um, that could really, you know, take the top off. Um, the other guy that they, I believe they just signed Kenny Stills. I don't know how much of an impact he will be. Um, he's not really the Cole Beasley type. Um, he's not, you know, the quick shifty guy that mm -hmm. you want in, you know, between the numbers and the hashes to, to work that middle of the field. But, you know, I think what, like I said, you know, you could move Stefan Diggs around and kind of scheme around, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying. I know that, you know, that <laughs> I know what you know, and then now it becomes that, that, that chess match of, okay, how are we going to get rid of some of these, you know, bracket or cloud coverages, for example. Um, I, I, like I said, I see them playing, going back to what they've been doing a couple weeks ago and really just forcing Allen to keep things underneath and, you know, hope you hold on to the ball because you don't want to turn this into a track meet. Yeah, definitely. Fun game. I tell you, great way to start it. And then you follow that up with the Rams at the Seahawks. I mean, come on. This is a fun this, – this is a great week. We have three games each day, and then Monday we have the national championship game. This yeah. is – yeah, 2020 into 2021, as horrible as it has been, it's, it's given us some great sports matchups and some it, great sports viewing. There's no doubt about it. It has. Uh, I don't think – I think most people are going with the Seahawks. I don't know if we even know the situation with the Rams quarterback at this point in time. 
I think Russell Wilson's been playing well. That defense has really been playing well over the last, I don't know, almost half the season at this point in time. Uh, They're at home. I don't see a lot of vulnerability for the Seahawks in this one, outside of the fact that the Rams sort of traditionally have had their number inexplicably at times. Uh, it's just a division foe and whatever that, you know, however that works itself out. How do you see this game shaping up, Derek? Well, I think that whether Jared Goff plays or, uh, or Wolford plays, um, those are two different game plans. They're two not really the same quarterbacks. I was actually really impressed with Wolford um, last week. I thought he made some really good throws other than his first NFL pass being an interception. Um, but the way that he was able to bounce back, the way that they used him in the running game, and it was funny because they used some of the, like their base runs. They just did it with a quarterback. Um, I thought that he executed pretty well, um, and I think that's more of a tribute to Sean McVay and understanding the the strengths and the limitations of your quarterback. I think you know whatever whatever an offensive play caller rolls out there, um, I think that's that that's telling you what he thinks about his quarterback, and I think that he made really really easy reads for him. Uh, nothing, you know, overcomplicated. And he's an NFL quarterback, um, in my <laughs> opinion. I think that he's pretty damn good. Right, um, right. Now, Goff is a different case where it's a different game plan. You're going to get what they had. They've been running all year, the jet motions, the play actions, the boots, all of those things. Um, and, you know, I don't know that this has been discussed enough, but the Rams actually get Andrew Whitworth back, um, which I believe he like tore his MCL and PCL. And I, everyone thought that he was done for the year and, and apparently they're going to get him back. Um, I think that um, you, the way that the, now that this is the third meeting between the two, right? So you have a ton of film on each other. Yep. So this is where all the, all of your counter punches come into play. Um, Seattle has really gotten back to a lot of their cover three stuff and then they blitzed a lot too. So, Whenever they blitz, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, McVay is in Goff's ear and you'll hear it a ton because, you know, there's no crowd. Uh, you'll either he'll hear like a, a kill call where, you know, he'll go kill, kill or or can like, hey, we're can in the play. You call two plays in the huddle. He goes can, can. And then, you know, once McVay maybe sees that they're going to blitz, they take a shot downfield. Um, they haven't been as explosive throwing the ball down the field as they have in previous years. So I think that that's where you might see that they take their shots um, is when, you know, McVay is able to see that they're bringing pressure. And again, it's, I know that, you know, that I know that you're bringing pressure, you know, that I'm going to do this, but I'm really going to do this. Cause now this is the third time we've been, we've been playing each other. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I, that Seattle's really kind of gotten back to their cover three stuff. Um, I think Jamal Adams was, playing really well in the run game last week or the last time uh, they played him, he ran from the backside and tackled the running back, uh, Daryl Henderson and stopped the touch. Like a, basically hawked him down at the one yard line from the opposite side. And uh, Henderson yeah. actually ended up getting hurt. Yeah, no, that was, but, but the, but the Rams actually didn't even score on that drive. They went for it on fourth down. They didn't get it. So that's the, really the game changer that, he is and what he brings to the table. And I think it's so impactful. Um, and I think, you know, they obviously have to have a plan for Goff and Wolford and McVay hasn't said whether he's starting either one. Um, and our friend Armando Smith is now saying that uh, Goff is out for the weekend. I've just found the same thing, which is, which is the questionable 
Um, well, it, and it brings up a good question. Cooper Cup actually going to be back as well, I believe, mm-hmm. off the COVID-19, which is certainly helpful. I believe he's their leading receiver, actually, on the season. Yeah. Um, really uh, it, it, it brings up this interesting point because this is getting talked about, as you know, I'm a Washington football uh, team fan, uh, uh, with the situation there because they're in sort of the same situation with Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke, I believe the kid's name is. Um, and there were some people who were just saying, you know, is it – it, does it actually benefit you at this point? Maybe to start, even if it's a questionable thing, and, and we'll, we'll stick with golf, not 100% knowing, though I, I trust Armando, certainly. Um, maybe to start the guy that they don't have any film on initially and see if uh, if you can have a little more success that way because there there is truth. We, we have seen this happen before, to your point. Uh, Wofford's an NFL quarterback. He's obviously got talent and skill. You don't get that far without it. Um, any any argument to be made that even if it's a little still questionable on, on a quarterback, that maybe starting the other guy, not a bad idea because you can always go back to your veteran. I always think that you want to do what, what got you there. Obviously, Goff has gotten, there, gotten them there. Um, I'm never really a fan of just, oh, let's just completely revamp what we do uh, for one game, just because of one situation, uh, I don't know if he's true. That's called Bill Cower in the playoffs. That's what we call it on this show. Uh, yeah, um, but I, I think that certainly having a package for him in the same way that maybe you know, um, really the Steelers had a package with Josh Dobbs last week. The Saints have a package with Taysom Hill. I'm not saying that they are the same players at all, but I'm just saying that really just a small package here and there as has some gadget stuff because these are guys that can do different things mm-hmm. um and, and like i said if, if he's out that's that drastically changes their game plan the last i saw was um mcveigh was told that golf was limited at practice and he said i have no idea what the hell limited means yeah um, i'm not finding anything up to date yeah. at this point so <laughs> which yeah is, which is absolutely hilarious that a quarterback is limited because he's not hit in practice he doesn't do any right contact drills he's wearing a red jersey all he does is throw so what does limited mean is he only limited to throwing hitches <laughs> you know right. i always laugh at that <laughs> so let's he talk about to throw any slants he does not yeah. feel that he can complete a slant yeah. i am limited today i will only do <laughs> zero to five uh no i think what is most interesting obviously in any game you talk about with the seattle seahawks is russell wilson and that team's ability to do whatever they do for three quarters, and it almost doesn't matter, Derek. It really almost doesn't matter. Russell Wilson's numbers on third down, especially third down in the fourth quarter, his running numbers in the fourth quarter, he barely runs the first three quarters, it seems, and then he's everywhere the fourth quarter. Mm. And his sheer uh, ability to just, you know, more times than not, a lot more times than not, be clutch, and get those get those two good drives in the fourth quarter, regardless of what the defense has thrown at him in the previous three. That happened with the last Rams game. It was nine to nine going into the last quarter, and they won going away. The 49ers game last week, same kind of situation. I think the Niners were ahead going into the fourth quarter. It's just that's what they do. That's what he does. Now, and the and the Rams saw this two weeks ago, three weeks ago. What do you do if you're the Rams with a very formidable defense, but now it's the fourth quarter, now everyone's a little tired, including Aaron Donald and um, Jalen Ramsey, the two studs. What do you do? 
possess the ball last. <laughs> that's, that's really the, the way that I think Russell Wilson has almost entered that that Tom Brady, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, like where they're like Thanos, they're inevitable that at the end of the game, if they have the ball, you are going to lose. It is inevitable. Yeah. Um, that that yeah. no matter what you do yeah. all game, that they are it, Thanos is going to get you. Um, so <laughs> make sure you're up two scores with three minutes left to play. Or yeah, exactly. Don't don't ever do any. Make sure that the clock hits zero 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 in the fourth quarter, and you have the lead still because Russell Wilson will bring this team back. Yeah. Um, now, with that said, I don't know that their offense has been playing great um, over the last few weeks. Their defense has obviously played a lot better. Um, in the fourth quarter, their offense has played very, very well. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, which, you know, a great coach once told me, you don't have to be perfect, but you just have to be perfect when it matters. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's a big part of it is now, obviously, if they get behind early in the game, you know, that you're going to have to rely on the fourth quarter to come back. I don't know that that's, you know, what they really want to do. But, you know, like I said, I don't know that Wilson has been playing overly great this last stretch, really. Mm-hmm. Um really not seeing the field very well i don't think um he's double clutching a lot of stuff um and and in terms of remember what i was saying like you know taking those underneath throws dinking and dunking i think that really kind of started when they played the giants and they really struggled to throw the ball down the field they really haven't had any explosive plays in almost a month really um so i think that that's a key component with teams playing more two high structures um and and taking away dk metcalf as as a is a vertical threat. Um, so, and this is a really good matchup schematically just be well for the Rams, just schematically because the Rams are a base cover four team. Now, when I was saying that you can mess with, with rules is that when you play cover four and you play what we call these match coverages is after a certain depth in the route, it turns into man, right? So if you're going to play cover four and let's say, you know, you have two receivers to one side, you have the corner and the safety, the safety's over the number two receiver, the corner is obviously over the number one receiver. When they push vertical, let's say after 10 yards, it becomes man coverage. Well, the way that you could mess with those rules is, you know, kind of like in the, uh, the 49ers Super Bowl or Razor, Black 59 Razor, where you're going to get a corner and you're going to get a post underneath of it or over top of it and basically creates a pick. So, uh, and it becomes man. So that's where you can kind of gain an advantage. And I think that Seattle, the way that maybe that they could do that is is in play action when the Rams don't really expect them to take a shot. So you might get quarters, um, their match stuff, and then play action when they think they're going to run the ball, take a shot then. Um, I think that that's the way that you could really get this defense off balance. I think the other way too is that when you are playing a lot of those quarters type principles, and a lot of it's based off of three by one, meaning three receivers on one side or two by two or two receivers to each side. The way that you can kind of mess with that, too, is you can get now they're really good at checking and communicating is get them to over communicate with some jet motions, some shifts, some really, really late stuff to force them to communicate right before the ball snap. And then you can gain a numbers advantage here and there. Makes sense. So, again, before the season. Your pick was Kansas City, Seattle, correct? Mm-hmm. So, do you pick Seattle in this game? It's hard to it's hard to pick against Russell Wilson at home in the postseason. Yeah, um, I think ten with, straight at home they've won. I believe ten straight. Even at home. even with no fans, um, 
I'm gonna, right. Yeah, I would probably have to go with Seattle. And it might come down to, you know, last-minute drive kick, field goal to win it. You know, and it, and it's not going to be a high-scoring game. I don't know what the over/under is. I would pick the under no matter what. This is going to be like a, a like a old 18th-century fight. <laughs> like it's it's not going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think. A hundred years before football was even invented, that would. I be believe great. I believe Joe Connolly has said that it is 43 is the yeah, over/under. I would, on I would take the wow. under. I, I feel like this is going to be like a 19 to 17 game or something like that. Literally, and, the over/under is half the over/under of Alabama and uh, Ohio State. (laughs) No surprise there. And again, I think you can't stress it enough before we move on to the final game Saturday night. The uh, I I love these playoff games when it's teams that have a lot of familiarity. Difficult word for me to say right now, but these teams know each other well. So that whole, I know what you're going to do, you know I'm going to do something different thing, takes on even another layer in this one, Mark. It's great stuff. It does. Now, Johnny, I know you're going to be disappointed here, but I wanted to break it up into two, two, and two since there's six games. We're going to go to progressive right before your game. Can I guess on the progressive right sure. now? Right I saw now? Philip Rivers. It is not. How did you see it? Oh, you just I, saw you the, put, you oh, put it up the ACC. I did. I, I saw the ACC. Just I just put these first four clues up. 35,000-plus passing yards, six-time Pro Bowler, 20-plus TDs in the postseason – which uh, should eliminate Philip Rivers off the top, went to a school in the ACC. Those are the first guess. four clues. It's obviously Mr. Bisky. Go ahead. <laughs> I have another guess. Michael Vick. Go ahead. Michael Vick. It is not Michael Vick. Damn it. I don't All think right. he has 20-plus TVs in the postseason either. So That's a good point. Uh, yeah, very good. All right, so those are the first four clues. We are back to uh, Derek as well, talking now about uh, the final game, as John mentioned, of Saturday night, tomorrow night, tomorrow night. That's great. John and Derek. uh, You've got, you know, you've got a lot of people who are Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans who are a little nervous Mm -hmm. and a little queasy, if you will, to quote Skip Bayless, who's a big Tom Brady fan. He's queasy about this game. Because of what we've seen the Washington football team be able to do on defense. They have how many number one picks on defense, Johnny? 48? 47. 47. One guy was the first pick of the second round. (laughs) Uh, It's unbelievable what they have on that defensive line. And they can wreak some havoc, even though, as we know, Derek, the offense can't do much, really, to move the ball. Um, how do you see this? How do you see this? Do you see a real threat to Tom Brady and to the Bucks uh, because of the havoc that Chase Young and team can can wreak? I do, just because of their their front. If they can get to Brady, and this is the key, this has been the key to beating Brady in every Super Bowl or any matchup, is getting to Brady with four and then being able to cover on the back end. Uh, Tampa Bay has some outrageous weapons on the perimeter <laughs> um, with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Godwin. Um, it's, and plus you add Gronkowski uh, to that mix as well. Um, they don't really run the ball effectively. Um, they only really will run a couple schemes. Um, so I think that the major scheme that they run is a Bruce Arian staple. It's called duo, which, um, can look like inside zone at times. Um, but the only, it's basically a power, it's a gap scheme. It's power without the pulling guard. Um, so you're going to get two double teams and you're going to have a running back basically mess with the Mike backer, make him guess wrong on the whole. Um, they run a ton of that, but I think kind of their offensive philosophy is that we're going to do what we do 
and we don't care. We're going to throw the ball down the field. We are going to stick to our game plan, and we're not going to deviate from that. Um, that could come back and bite them in the butt um, if Washington is able to get a couple stops and really steal a couple possessions, maybe through a turnover. Right. You know, if Brady might throw a pick, you know, on their own 30. They might go three and out, but they still might get a field goal and, and steal it. So, um, you know, I think that there's a bunch of different things that, that can go right for Washington. And I think that that's one of them of getting off of the field and, and really just containing them. Uh, Tampa the problem for Washington, too. the problem for Washington, though, and Derek, and I agree with you, and I think everybody agrees with that. But you have to at some point, those three and outs, you have to convert some of them to points. And Washington is so limited that way. Even with Alex Smith, it's a dink and dunk offense. They don't go. They don't really have. You know, they're exactly the opposite, essentially. Um, you know, they're going to – Terry McLaurin can stretch the field a little bit. We're not sure if he's 100% certainly in that. Logan Thomas has really become quite a great, uh, a terrific weapon for them. Um, they struggled to run the football. They've had, you know, spasms when they've been able to run the football well. But, I mean, can you see – and, again, we know a lot about the, the Tampa Bay offense. That's the sexy part of that team. Um, the Tampa defense against that limited Washington offense – in my mind, Washington has to find something and do something that they haven't been able to do all year. And that is find some level of explosiveness in that offense somewhere. Yeah. I think that the way that to do that is um, you're going to have to come up with some really, really creative stuff. Um, this is a really aggressive defense. They're going to blitz Alex Smith. They know he can't move. Right. Um, so whether it's Wildcats, some sort of trick plays, any way that you could steal yards or steal points, um, I think that that's the way that they're going to have to go about this. Um, I think Jordan Reed has been playing extremely well, the tight end spot. Um, I think he's kind of an emerging star there. Um, you know, and like, you know, I said about the indie game, I think that if they're able to run the football against Tampa and they're able to play keep away from Brady and keep this a low scoring game, they have a shot. Um, and then, you know, obviously it comes down to their defense as well. You know, are they, are they going to be able to get there? And then Washington does play. Like I said earlier with the Rams, um, they do play a lot of quarters coverage, a cover four essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so you might see a lot of high-low concepts for the Bucks too. So get to Brady, force them to throw the ball down the field, and, and then obviously, I mean, get to Brady before he can get the ball off essentially. That's the key to every right. Super Bowl and, that Brady's ever yes, been in. Right. It has worked. Yes. But you got to have you got to have the right ingredients and you got to have the juice to do it. Um, they certainly have the defensive line to do it. It's whether they can do it on the back end. Yeah. And Mike Evans is listed as questionable, too. So if he's not 100%, then all they have to work with are Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I don't know what and they're going to do. Gronkowski. And, yeah, what will they do? What will they do? They what might have to go into a four corners offense. With a hobbled Mike Evans. Uh, <laughs> it's very interesting. And and really the, the weakest part of the Bucks defense, right, is the back end. And that's really not what Washington does. So they don't really throw over, over the top. So it should be interesting. Uh, I don't know if you factor these kinds of things in, Derek, or not, but – the only two teams that have made the NFL playoffs with a record under 500 both have seven wins and both defeated in the first round a team with 11 wins. Wasn't wasn't one of them Beastquake? It was. Yeah, it was. Over the defending champion New Orleans Saints, oh, by then, the way. What was the other one? Arizona? Arizona, Arizona beat, 
beaten by uh, Carolina the year before yeah. Carolina went to the Super Bowl. And we saw what happened to Seattle a couple of years after Beastquake. And we saw what happened to, uh, to uh, Carolina the very next year. They went to the Super Bowl. So who knows? I think the future is bright for the Washington football team. I it's really a defensive side of the ball. It's a boomer bust offense for, for Tampa. So you really like they're like I said, that heavyweight fighter that if they don't land any punches and they get sneak punched, it could happen. Yeah, it's it's Mike Tyson, right? If, if he doesn't knock the opponent out early, mm-hmm. there's yeah. you know the Washington football team is Buster Douglas. Is Defense well. is going to need to score. Defense is going to need to score, though. I completely yeah. agree with that. By the way, back to John Wofford um, and and his first pass being an interception. Uh, John United's first pass uh, in the NFL was a pick six. So I, I think it, I think it bodes well, bodes well for him. I'm going to say it now. First ballot Hall of Famer. It's a good luck charm. <laughs> All right. We've got the game that everyone is most confused about. We've got the Ravens and the Titans. Ravens are at the Titans, of course. The Titans have the home field in this one. And uh, – Baltimore is on a serious run. Have they played tough competition during the serious run? I'm not sure. But they were six and five. They won five in a row. Uh, they seem to have their identity back a little bit. Uh, they seem to have readjusted with all the ways, you know, the way the NFL adjusts on, you know, uh, Jackson and then the rest of the offensive team. They seem to have adjusted back a little bit to some degree. But Tennessee is definitely a riddle wrapped inside an enigma wrapped inside a – I forget the phrase, Johnny. Misquoting Churchill. How could you do that? I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, a riddle inside an enigma. I'm, I'm really – Just, just declare victory and depart the field. Quoting <laughs> – that's exactly – I might as well do that. That's what people – Great analogy, Mark. Derek, really what is. do you think of that? Thank you. Remember my analogy. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Hmm. Yeah, this is a hard one to call, man. This is a really hard one to call, Derek, because these teams uh, are just uh, Tennessee. I think everybody keeps looking for reasons to discount Tennessee. Um, so in Nashville, weather just looked down, going to be cold, not that windy. That's not going to be an issue. What do you is as Baltimore's improvement? And I agree with Mark. As of late, they've played better. Is their improvement to the point where you think they can go on the road and beat this Tennessee team that upset them last year? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I think it's going to come down to the arm of Lamar Jackson um, the same way that it has really every meeting that that it's before. Um, you know, Baltimore has kind of reinvented itself um, in the same way that a lot of a lot of teams that have had that, you know, that first act that was really, really good. Um, you came out, you surprised some teams and then what happens? Teams get film of you. They start to play you differently. Um, you start to, you know, key different things. And then all of a sudden those things aren't there anymore. The last couple of weeks, um, they've kind of re- reinvented themselves and run more more gap scheme stuff. So power counter, um, the one I had listed was uh, it's called 1617 counter bash with uh, Lamar Jackson. Basically, you're going to get a guard tackle pull uh, from the let's say they're running to the right. OK, so the right guard, right tackle are going to pull to the left and kick out. Um, the end man on line and then wrap for the next guy. Jackson will either give it on the run to the right or he'll keep it and go around the edge. And it's basically like quarterback counter. They've, mm. they've run it a ton and they've had a lot of success off of it. Um, I might have, you know, stolen it and put it in, in my little repertoire. Uh, <laughs> just in the case. Um, but they've done a lot more of those things. Um, 
and really in their past game, uh, everything's built around, you know, high lowing guys, whether, um, you know, a crosser at a post or, you know, a, a dig and, a, and, a, and an under route, really, that's what that's what they do offensively in the past game. Um, you know, I, I think that the way to if, if I'm Tennessee, you know, maybe play more one high cover three stuff um, and then just cloud the middle of the field, really force Lamar to throw outside the numbers from within the pocket. That's been kind of the recipe um, goes back to really the game that they played the year before. Um, and then I think that that's really the, the, the matchup between the two. And if I may, John Pelkey, uh, the whole idea of the best defense is a great offense. If anyone can control the ball, it's Tennessee. I mean, right. there's not many running backs like Derrick Henry. And the way they were able to do that last year is not only control the ball, but at the outset, they got a quick 14 nothing lead, I think. And we all know this, even now, even as Baltimore has readjusted to the adjustments the rest of the NFL has made on Lamar Jackson and the team, and they've readjusted to your point, they, they still have this narrative that they have to play out from underneath, which is, you know, they're not a come-from-behind football team. So, um, you know, if Tennessee gets a lead and then they can hold it because of Derrick Henry and the magic he can do um, – this this could be a repeat of last year. Maybe and also have to point out that Ryan Tannehill has been as efficient as any quarterback in the NFL uh, over the last couple of seasons, actually. he uh, You know, so, yeah, that's the if Derek, to your point, I'm sorry to cut you on, Mark, but to the point, if any team can sustain drives, yeah. given what they're given. Now, they might have to tell Derek Henry, after you picked up 12, just fall down. Don't don't run for 42 <laughs> yards every freaking time because that's not that's not working the clock going to help us. They're the team that can do it. They're the one team that you really can do it week in and week out. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to the point about Baltimore kind of reinventing themselves, I think a lot of that, too, has to do with the fronts that they were getting. So a lot of the times they were getting what we call odd fronts. So you have an odd front and an even front. Even front is usually four down linemen because even's a four number. Real smart people that come up with this stuff. Coaches. I went to college. So, we're, we're very smart people. Um, even <laughs> really? four, down, four down people usually get what we call one technique, which is a guy that's just offset to the right or left of the center. You get a three technique that um, is just outside of the guard. Um, and then really two fives or linebackers, whoever you want to play it. Um, I, like they usually when you run power and counter and stuff, it, it's a lot better. Well, counter especially is really, really good versus odd fronts. And especially when you get like the um, old Buddy Ryan 4-6 defense or basically teams will run the old school 46 defense, but they'll just use the inside structure of it. So you call it a tight front. People have called it a baby bear because, um, you know, bear, smaller bear. <laughs> um, they're funny. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, but, they're, but that's kind of the way that the, the, the Ravens have found a way to combat some of those things. And, and they've really found a, a, a real niche there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how Tennessee comes out and aligns to it. Um, you know, I think on the flip side with the, with the Titans offense, they're going to do what they do. Um, they're going to run inside zone, outside zone, and then they're going to run that duo play that we talked about with Tampa. But um, they they run it a lot better than Tampa just because they have a, a defensive end playing running back. Uh, <laughs> and he's, able to, he's able to bounce those duo plays outside and, and pick up some really nice yards. Um, 
you know, even some of their even some of their past concepts. We've talked about it before, where you know everything looks the same until it isn't. Um, so they might run an out and a dig all to the right one one play. Then they'll flip it. Then they'll run to them. They'll flip, you know, the dig and then maybe a post. So it's a lot of it's. It almost turns into like a guessing game of. Okay, well, we've seen this on film. Every time that they align in this formation, they motion this guy from this hash. We're going to get the out from the right and then from the left backside, we're, we're getting a dig. Well, instead, you know, maybe the safety cheats down on it, thinking that he's going to try and jump the dig and he breaks on a post. Like those are the different things that they do and the little minor tweaks. So it's not like, you know, reinventing the wheel. wheel. Right. It's, it's just, hey, run a post this time. Or we saw last year, um, and, and I think I – I think I alluded to it earlier um, in earlier shows that, you know, in, in three postseason games last year in a row, they ran the same concept out of the same look, but they ran it in three different variations. They ran basically four verticals out of a bunch set and it, they would just switch guys. So maybe the point guy would be the first guy to cross the tight end would go up the seam and then the outside guy would just wide release. Well, then the next week, and all three hit for touchdowns versus Tennessee versus, versus Tennessee versus Baltimore versus New England and versus Kansas City as well. So you're seeing these little variations in Arthur Smith's offense to really take advantage and, and really do a lot of self-scouting and understand this is what they're going to expect us to do. Let's tweak it. Yeah, that, and that's a good point because it's not necessarily about doing something completely different. It's about doing something that they think they've figured out that is – slightly different again you get this guys start in their mind they start questioning what they're seeing and questioning what they're doing uh again the chess match of it mark and i've become obsessed with chess in fact i'm going later to play a guy in chess uh but uh it's uh yeah the the chess match in this one is fun and i think the fact that i I love the the vince lombardi like offense of the uh, tennessee titans here's what we do you need to stop us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Here it is. Here's here's this guy who averages 5.3 yards a carry in the playoffs, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. with about 120 carries in the playoffs. He's going to get half of what we need for the first down <laughs> every time he touches the ball, right. try and stop us. But I'll tell you, we have talked about this, Derek, how uh, and, and we were talking about this in terms of the draft, I think, with Jeff Taylor, our uh, producer who's departed. Uh, we were talking he's not on the show. He's not departed. we were were talking to him Terrible about um, about the Ohio State running back possibly being a very high draft pick mm-hmm. and um, and so forth. But how running backs really have lost a lot of luster in terms of what GMs and teams overall think of how they can uh, use them to build a team. A lot of it's by committee on, on certain teams. And I, I don't think anything's um, more indicative of that. Just the narrative of the running back not being as sexy as it used to be, for, yeah. quite frankly, at all. Nothing is as in, as, uh, shows that off and indicates that more so and the fact that this guy was, I, what, the sixth guy to get 2,000 yards in the season, and it was barely talked about. Yeah. 2,000 yeah. yards in a season for a running back is rarer than a perfect game in baseball, yeah. and it was barely talked about. Yeah. Unbelievable. And I, I think that it's just a lot of it has to do with, with running back style um, and the fit and understanding what that running back does well. Um, you know, when you have a guy as freakish as Derrick Henry, 
Um, you know, they, they found and they run stuff to his strength where he's able to find a little nifty hole and get through it and then maybe run somebody over or stiff arm somebody. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I know you alluded to it too. J.K. Dobbins, the, the former Ohio State running back, who um, I was very high on coming out um, of the draft, and so were a lot of people. Uh, he's really kind of like the same Jonathan Taylor type that he's kind of really grown into his own. He's had a huge impact in their running and you know, also helping in the pass game as well, and has really kind of taken over uh, for Mark Ingram, which I think a lot of people anticipated, but I don't think that they anticipated it would happen this late. Mm. Uh, he just adds a whole nother gear and another element to their offense. Right. And I'm also, um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing thing about, about what happens, about what happens with, with uh, the running back, what happens in terms of trends, what happens in terms of narratives and the like. All right. And speaking of trends, we're going to go back to uh, after further reviews, progressive trivia. And here it is right now. Uh, And one of the trends that John and I both use, although John hasn't used it in quite some time because he has completely abandoned progressive trivia, uh, but that we we sometimes throw people off with the clues, John. Yeah. 35,000 passing yards, six-time Pro Bowler, 20-plus TDs in the postseason. This is the throw-off clue. I will give you this hint as a hint. Went to a school in the ACC. All right? That's kind of – that's a little bit of a trickery hint. A hint full of trickery, I should say. These are the next ones. Played with Frank Gore and Emmanuel Sanders. 24 game-winning drives in his career. Went to two schools. There it is. Well, now we know it is. as many playoff INT as he has won playoff games. Didn't uh, Joe Conley get it right then? Joe Conley. Nope, he did not get it right. It's not Russell Wilson. Wow. It's not Russell Wilson. Okay. Yep. Who hasn't played? Not Yes. Well, that's I played with Frank Gore, actually. So, really? yeah, everybody. I, I, I think the uh, formerly mentioned Johnny Unitas played with Frank Gore at one point. I think Frank Gore should be in the Hall of Fame just for having the Frank Gore uh, career that he did. Because he is really, if, if you looked at, there's a deep dive for you, Mark. Frank Gore and what he went through, what he and what he was able to do. And we talk about not having feature backs anymore. And one of the reasons were, and Derek, we used to talk about this all the time at the show at the uh, ESPN club was at, because you in, in the era of feature backs, a guy would go from being an all pro at 29 to like 400 yards after he turned 30 in any given season because of all the tread that's yeah. off the tire. And now teams really do. Almost everybody has a one, two punch and it, it, it lengthens guys careers and Gore's a great, uh, just a great example of uh, Gore is third all time <laughs> rushing yards. It's crazy. 726 yards behind Walter Payton. He had 16,000 yards in his career, and he blew out his knee twice in college. Unbelievable. <laughs> Dr. James, what's his name? Dr. James, uh, the guy in Nashville who I believe it's in Nashville who does all of those uh, operations. He should have a bust, frankly, in, James in Canton. Yeah, yeah, he should have a bust in Canton. There's no doubt about it. Yes, it is not Russell Wilson, Joe Connolly. All right, so we've uh, we've done Baltimore. And Tennessee, let's go to New Orleans and the Bears. The Bears visit New Orleans. This seems to be the most, uh, I don't know, maybe the one-sided, the easiest pick for for everyone out there. I'm not sure what the line is, but it's probably double digits at least. Uh, This doesn't seem to bode well at all for the Chicago Bears on any level. 
New Orleans giving 10, by the way. New Orleans giving 10. Right, with the exception of that they have a defensive lineman that when he wants to can cause the kind of havoc Chase Young can and some of the other uh, defensive linemen can uh, single-handedly kind of take over a game. Uh, Khalil Mack could possibly do that, but um, I don't think that can happen. I don't think that can happen, Derek. Is there any way that the Bears have even a shot in this game? Well, it's going to be very, very tough for them. Um, you, you know, I think that you really got to limit what I was saying earlier with when a, uh, a coach, you see what a coach rolls out in a game plan, tells you what you know he believes about his quarterback um, and his limitations. I think you're kind of seeing that with Trubisky right now. Um, they actually are going back to some of the shot Kyle Shanahan, McVay type things where it's a lot of boot. Um I think that that's the way that, you know, Mitch really has to operate. He's not a traditional drop back pocket passer. So boots, sprint outs, and then um, more, I think, QB design runs too um, that that get him involved into the game um, as really just another running back. And then, you know, for, for the Bears defense, this is not the defense that – it's not the same defense that they played earlier in the season. Um, that was a one-score game that New Orleans won by a field goal late in the game. I don't think that this is the same defense at all. I think that they're a little bit more banged up. Um, and, you know, I don't really know who – I don't – Roquan Smith isn't going to play. Um, that's a huge hit yeah. to that defense. Um, and and really they don't have anybody in the second level that can – in the linebacker area that can match up to, to Alvin Kamara. And, it, you know, scheming up passes for him and then, you know, they – the the saints also didn't have Michael Thomas in that first meeting too. So now you have to, that's major. You, yeah. So now you have to really figure out how to scheme, you know, do we try and bracket Michael Thomas? Well, then we're going to have to let somebody try and cover. Um, Kamara, forget uh, about that. Uh, yeah. And then we're going to have to try and cover Alva Kamara too. Yep. So it, it's going to be a really, really tough sled for, for this bears team. If you're making your significant other a football uh, widow or widower for the weekend, uh, let them know probably by about 5.15 on Sunday afternoon. You're going to have a couple hours that you could probably uh, spare because I just I, I, I just don't see. Again, you get into the, the situation that you get into with the Washington football team is that I just don't see an offense that he can even capitalize necessarily when the defense does give them opportunities. Um, I think it's interesting, though, with Mitch Trubisky, maybe some design quarterback runs i mean we, we've seen stranger things but this to, to your point mark this just seems like the one that's the most one-sided game in all of this yeah you know as of uh, a day ago i think uh, kamara was out, listed as out and oh, he, then he posted something on twitter see you last night that said yeah so and everybody's saying that yeah so i, I mean e- even without kamara i just don't think that i, I think the bears are you know, a, a lot like Washington with not as dynamic a, a, a defense. And, uh, yeah, new, I, just, I, really, I really think that what you're going to see from the Saints is that they're going to spread this Bears team out and spread them thin and then just pick them apart. Um, yeah. Let Drew Brees do what he does and don't. You know, this isn't an outdoor game in the cold. So uh, this is this is really in favor of the Saints here. And like I said, I think they're just going to spread them out and just kind of death by a thousand cuts, really. Joe Connolly did get it right, by the way. Congratulations. Well done out of him. Outstanding work. We'll get to that in just a bit. Let's go to our 
final game, unless you have other uh, tidbits for us. I mean, the amount of work and preparation, John, we joke yep. about it that Derek yep. does, but he showed me some of his notes. Uh -huh. He had like seven notes from just reviewing one quarter of football of one of the teams out of the six games this year. Uh, if you have any other tidbits, I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange you, Derek on this thing at all. So, so I'll give, I'll give two more. The way that the bears can, can help stay in this game, limit Taysom Hill plays, limit the splash plays that he is able to, to produce. He had like five touches for 35 carries in the last game. That's, it doesn't seem like a lot, mm. just ways that the saints are able to steal yards. And oh yeah. You'll plays. Um, and then like when they get in the red zone, this is not a really a great red zone team for the Bears. Again, this is what I was saying. I, I, I think that they're going to spread them out and really pick them apart. They hit Jared Cook on, on a post route, basically from a condensed split, wide released, attacked the safe, safety, and then broke back in the red zone, and Breeze hit him for a touchdown, uh, something that Taysom Hill actually did against Atlanta uh, later in the season when he started against them. So look for that kind of concept in, in the red zone. I think um, that, that – it, it might be tough sledding, like I said, for the Bears. Uh, yeah, it's long night, long night, I, I, long I afternoon. So I think everyone agrees with that. All right, the last game is uh, the game closest to your heart, Derek. <laughs> it's the Browns, who are fielding a team of how many uh, are they starting, John? The Browns? Nine. Nine, nine, nine people, and they're both playing both ways, and they have petitioned the league to make this a flag football game. Okay. So we, we'll see what happens. We're, we're waiting on that decision right now from Roger. By the way, I don't believe their football offices have been open since the late 30s Right uh, at this point. It's closed every day. Good God. And who will be coaching the team, John, on the sidelines? Uh, it'll be the, uh, the rotting corpse of Paul Brown. <laughs> Uh, Probably should have gone with Rod Ed at this point. I'm sure there, there's not a lot of meat on the bones. Sorry, Paul. Right. That's no, okay. It's okay at this point in time. Uh, By the yeah, way, would still outcoach Adam Gase in a game at any point in time. So do you think there's any way that the NFL last minute cancels this thing? If it gets any worse for the Browns, Derek, the way no. the Steelers luck has gone this year? No, I don't, I don't think you can just because you'd have to move it to a Monday and the national championships on a Monday, and they don't want to go up against that. Um, so then what, you would have to move to like a 3 o'clock window on a Monday? That's not that's not going to happen. And you couldn't go any later than Monday because just on the, this is so unfair on anybody on the short week. So since this would screw the t Steelers horribly, yes, it will absolutely happen 100% bank on it. <laughs> well, if things, if things continue the same way, then yeah. They'll, they'll play it on the Friday before the uh, for the next game. That would be a double header. Steelers yeah. will play early. <laughs> Let's play two. Let's, yeah. Why not? So uh, seeing that the, uh, the Browns are somewhat, um, you know, they're not at full strength. Let's put it that way. And uh, they're playing a, they're playing a Pittsburgh team that over the last four games have had one good half where they seem to figure things out. Uh, and um, how, how do you see this going? Do you see the Pittsburgh Steelers basically locked in to the way they played in that second half against Indy uh, in terms of, okay, obviously this is what we need to do. We need to sort of rely more on Ben in, in these situations. We need to be able to mix it up so that we can throw downfield at times and uh, if because we if we don't have that option, if that's not a threat for the Pittsburgh Steelers, well, they don't have a running game threat. So everything's intermediate and you just block that, yep. you know, you just block it up and it's going to be tough for them to score. So 
Uh, do you see them, though, locked into that at this point in time and, and ready to take on the Browns with that same sort of mentality, passion, and ferocity that they had in that second half against the Colts? Well, if you look at the last meeting against the Browns only a week ago, uh, Mason Rudolph actually outplayed Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he threw like three, two or three touch, two touchdowns and 315 yards. So he outplayed Cleveland's starting quarterback. Um, and they threw the ball down the field. They, they had no, I mean, that was a lot different game plan that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And it was very similar to what we saw versus Indianapolis. Um, the other thing too, is I think more James Conner. I think this team needs more James Conner in the running game just because he's able to read blocks far better than Benny Snell. And I think that he is able to finish runs and get tough yards. I think where the Steelers have really struggled the last couple of weeks is short yardage and in the red zone inside the five-yard line where they're not able to punch the ball in and, and do it the way that a typical Pittsburgh Steeler team can't do it. Um, I think that they are going to throw the ball down the field and attack Cleveland's corners. Um, I believe their, their safety for the Browns is going to be out. He was just placed on the COVID list. Um, I don't know if they're going to get Denzel Ward back, but I would certainly go and attack the secondary um, early and often. Get, Clay, get, oh, get Chase Claypool, which is a name that I still can't figure out why I struggle with, and James Washington involved into the, into the passing game. These are big body targets um, that, are, that use their body well, and, and they make big splash plays. Um, and then use, you know, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster in, in, in the short and intermediate game. The Steelers do also get Eric Ebron back, who is off the COVID list as well. So they're pretty much full strength, except for not having Joe Hayden. Which is actually kind of a big deal. It is. It is. And, and so what you're saying, Derek, is that you, you do, you've seen the same kind of thing that happened in that second half. You saw that last week with Mason Rudolph throwing downfield, moving the ball up and down the field, just not putting it in when they're in the red zone. That was the big, that was the difference between Indianapolis and last week. Yeah. I, I think you got to let Ben take over. I mean, you're going to live and die with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's won you two Super Bowls. He's a, he's a hall of fame quarterback. Do not let him go out with just throwing hitches and slants and these little dink and dunk passes that basically, you know, substitute for the run game. Um, you know, one of their major plays is that they get into a third and short situation. They go into a bunch and essentially the third outside receiver and that bunch runs like a quick, like a, a, a looky or, or a quick slant right over the middle. The other two guys basically just get in the way and it's a pick route and Ben just catches it and dumps it right to him. And that's really like their third down call that they've done really all throughout the year. Um, they even did it against Cleveland. I don't know if they, I think they converted it, but those are the kinds of things that they do and they find ways to subtract to substitute the run. But I think when you have two all pros on the offensive line and you have James Conner in a back that is a very efficient running back and he's a good starter when healthy is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you got to play him more. I think that he's, like I said, an efficient runner. He sees gaps well and he reads blocks really well. More than, I think he does it better than Benny Snell or um, McFarland. 
What about the Cleveland offense? Because they, I think they've done, uh, I think everyone would agree that Kevin Stefanski and those guys have done a, a much better job playing to Baker Mayfield's strengths mm. than perhaps he, he had earlier in his career. Uh, he's, you know, he, he, he's a boomer bust kind of a quarterback. And you're you're going to get, uh, he, there are things that he can do explosively, and then he can make some, uh, some less than uh, quality choices. How do you see this offense against that Steeler defense? And let's all remember again, this is another one of those matchups where these teams know each other. Mm-hmm. They know each other, one, and two, you're having your play caller out of the game for the Cleveland Browns. So Alex Van Pelt will take over play calling duties for the Browns. Um, I believe that they're going to have to keep the thing, the, their, their schematics and what who they are. I think it's going to be the same. Um, you know, Dan Orlowski made a great point on Twitter. He talked about how the you won't see a difference in the first quarter. You'll see it in the second and third and fourth quarter and on third downs and high leverage situations where Stefanski, I, I mean, play calling is a lot of it is just gut feeling, uh, things that you may see and may recall from whether this game or, or film or other games in the past um it's just it's it's really just a flow um mm-hmm. and you know i don't obviously alex van pelt is not kevin stefanski um, or else alex van pelt would be the head coach but <laughs> stefanski is an elite play caller um and that really really hurts also cleveland not having um joe batuni their their starting guard he's not going to be in so they're already depleted on the offensive line and they struggled against a defensive line in Pittsburgh that didn't even have Cam Hayward. I don't even think they played Stephon Tuitt or TJ Watt last week. Um, so the, the run game could be tough sledding for them too, and that's what they base their offense around. They're going to run outside zone. They're going to run boot and play action. Um, that's just who they are. It's what they do. I don't Like I said, I don't know that you want to just completely revamp your offense in one week when you just played this team the week before. Um, so – it's it, they're going to have to stick to who they are. And like I said, the biggest difference is going to be in those high leverage situations on the third down and later in the game of, can you get the right play call in um, it versus the right defense. Derek, do you worry about the, the Steelers running game? I, I think it was the game against the Jacksonville. I think it was game 11. So we're talking, you know, six weeks ago, the last time the Steelers had over 100 yards on the ground uh, in in a game, are you concerned at all that it, they just don't they just don't have the personnel perhaps to to make that happen? I think they definitely have the personnel. Um, I think James, like I said, I think James Conner is good back, and you have two All Pros on the offensive line. Um, it just doesn't seem like they can ever get into a rhythm um, offensively in the run game. Not really sure why. And they really just kind of abandoned it altogether. Um, you know, I think that you saw them actually hit more run plays later in that indie game. And I think a lot of it had to do with throwing the ball down the field. You're basically yeah. loosening up the box and you're loosening up defenses that yeah. now they're more on their heels than they are on their toes. And they don't have to worry about, you know, oh, okay, now we just got to defend the short pass and stop their whatever run plays that they're going to run. And that's pretty much it. Now it's like, okay, now they're going to take the top off. We got to take somebody else out of the box. We can't just put a safety down in there and that be it. Use the pass to set up the run. I mean, it's opposite of what we always heard growing up our whole life. But, yeah, that that seems to make a great deal of sense. And, and boy, Derek, you are not alone. I've seen so many 
people with good football knowledge saying, I just don't understand why the Steelers seem to have given up on it. We, we get that it's not going to be, you know, you're not the 70s Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not what it is, but you can't give up on it. it and the Stefanski thing brings up uh, uh, brings up an interesting point um, with him, him as a play caller. Alex Van Pelt, though, he has his Pittsburgh roots, the former Panther quarterback. So maybe he goes back home and breaks the heart of the team that uh, his entire family's cheering for. And boy, I tell you, if there, there can't be more motivation yeah. uh, for anybody, it's destroying your family's hopes and dreams. <laughs> I would really look for this defense in the Steelers to be hyper aggressive in this game. I would look for them to make splash plays the same way that they did the first meeting. Um, the pick six that Baker Mayfield threw on their opening drive, um, they ran double slants, and the Steelers ran what we call cover one robber or lurk. Um, it's basically man coverage across the board. You have a middle of the field deep safety, um, and then you have a lurker robber player that is basically instinctual reading quarterback's eyes or go flowing to the strength or whatever. He's a free player. He's mm -hmm. whatever he wants. And Minka Fitzpatrick jumped a um, a slant ball that, that Baker threw it and returned it for a touchdown and really set the tone for that game. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to more of those kind of things that let kind of Minka roam, let the pass, let the pass rush get to Baker and then make, let Minka make a, a, a splash play in the secondary. Uh, so there's two games that the home team are, are not favorite, that the home team are underdogs. Uh, the one is Tennessee. They're, they're, uh, they're getting three and a half points and the Washington football team is getting eight and a half going back to this idea about the only two under 500 teams ever to make the playoffs in the NFL, in the history of the NFL, both had seven wins, both beat teams with 11 wins and both were at home. There it is. There it is, John Powell. Do you, do you, when you hear those kinds of stats, Derek, do you take do you ever take any of those things into consideration at all? I know it has nothing to do with film work and nothing to do with analytics, but it does seem or to have any of the players that were on the field for any of those games, too. Can we point that out? That no. none of these because I could go back to the 1924 Canton Bulldogs and give you some statistics, but I think it's the same, frankly. No, I don't think it has anything to do with it at all. Everything is game to game, year to year, week to week, really drive to all drive, right. play to play. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's only one thing. There is one thing, and this is mitigating, is that you get a home game, that those teams yeah. with the seven wins are at home. and I mean, So maybe you get a couple of intangible points there, but it means nothing. Tampa Bay is going to win this football game. No, but when you're a team like Washington, all right. you have nothing to lose. So it's you're going to throw everything. You're going to throw the kitchen sink at the team. And I think that that's where you kind of these upsets generate. All right. So let's go with all of our picks. Uh, the bills are favored by six and a half. According to what I'm looking at right now, six and a half. Uh, Derek. I'm bills gonna take, or, go ahead. I'm going to take the bills, but I, I don't think that they cover. I think it's really a four point game. Okay. So that's a, a technical shock is what we call that. Uh, Johnny. Same thing. So they the Bills win, but they don't cover. Yeah, I think it's a close game. I, I respect I respect what Indianapolis and Frank Reich has done a, a, a great deal. I think he never doesn't get enough credit. Um, but uh, I just I, I think the Bills they've been the best team in football over the last month or so in my mind, and I think that's going to continue. They really have, and uh, and I hate to do this, but I think I think Cole Beasley is going to be tough, going to be a tough loss. I think uh, Indianapolis is going to sneak this one out. It's going to be a very, very big disappointment for a lot of Buffalo Bills fans after a phenomenal 13-3 run. And I hate to say that, 
but um, there's an upside to it too because of Philip Rivers and everything else. So, um, so there we go. Seattle only favored by three and a half at home. That's surprising against a Rams team who is as mercurial as any team <laughs> I've seen, perhaps in my life. That's a long time. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be really curious to see how much this line changes when they figure out who's playing quarterback. All right, Derek, your call on that game. I'm going to take the uh, Seahawks. To cover as well? Yeah, just because they're my Super Bowl pick and I'm obligated to. There it is. That's a technical lock. Johnny? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the Seahawks is, as well. I, I know that offensively, you know, they've been they've been mercurial, frankly, uh, a bit offensively as well. But I just, in, you know, in Seattle and uh, – yeah. You know, I think I think Aaron Donald and that defense is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty disgusted that they lost uh, 24 to 17 and they scored 10 of the 17 points on defense. All right. So funny. This is a CBS, uh, you know, CBS site that I'm looking at for these lines. And it, and it says, you know, uh, latest odds, Seattle Seahawks minus three point five. Bet now. <laughs> <laughs> To Derek's point, yes, bet now. Yeah, bet now before we know any more information. I think you're right. They're going to cover. I think that's a lock as well. Okay, the Saturday night game, Washington is giving up eight and a half, eight and a half to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That uh, could be a questionable road favorite. Derek, I'm going to take Tampa, but I don't know that they cover. Ooh, I think Tampa, but I think it's like a seven point game. Ooh, that's a technical <laughs> shot. Uh, Johnny. Oh, Tampa, and they cover. Really, they cover. It's going to wear down that defense. I just again, uh, definition Sandy doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different result. That why just the Washington offense just does to me just does not have what it takes. The, the it's going to require def- the defense to score and maybe score more than a touchdown, and I just don't think that happens. Yeah, we'll see. So Tom Brady uh, yeah. is injured early, and uh, and that's how his career ends. You heard it here. <laughs> Hey, it does get cold up there. He's he's not a he's not a young spring chicken anymore. No, he's used to the cold weather at least. Unlike the rest of his team, however, right? Yeah. That's I, true too. There you go. There's the one we haven't talked about that. I'm going to check the weather in Washington. He he has been throwing the ball like he's thirty. Really? It, yeah, like yeah. It's really fun to watch. I hope yeah. it continues, and uh, I think the Bucks are going to win that game. And um, I'm going to have them covering. I'm going to have them covering. Although I do, I can, I can see it going your way, Derek. All right. Uh, as uh, John checks the weather in in the area that will soon be uh, the 51st state, uh, we're going to go to the Tennessee Titans game uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee giving up three and a half points to the Ravens. What do you think, Derek? I'm going to take Tennessee and they cover. Whoa, whoa! That's not even a technical shock that's a shock shock johnny i agree with Derek. wow I agree. and by the way washington 29 degrees uh five to ten mile an hour winds i don't think it's going to mean any you know. i think tennessee's bully ball is better than baltimore's bully ball. right perfect yep i'm going with derrick henry man interesting yeah interesting i'm gonna go with baltimore I've sort of I've sort of not given the Tennessee Titans any respect all year. Might as well continue that. Uh, all right, I think I think uh, the New Orleans Saints giving ten for crying out loud. Uh, they're at home, obviously, and um, play this odds. New Orleans Saints minus ten. Bet now. 
Uh, Derek, do they cover? Do they cover? Yep. Johnny? Saints, and I'll give you 14. Yeah, they're going to cover as well. All right, and now we got the Steelers. They're given six. What happens in this game? (laughs) Given six. Bet bet now. So this is is another one that is the Steelers, I think, pull it out, but I don't think that they cover. I think this is another one of those – four-point games. I think Cleveland's just a really tough opponent. It's a divisional game. Six just seems like a lot for a divisional game. Johnny? Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that. I mean, I think if, if it does end, if they do end up covering, I think it might be one of those kind of late touchdown things, something to throw some points on there late, because I really do, and I always think this, if, if they're teams from the same division that know each other, you don't know, get a lot of playoff blowouts in in those situations, and you and you got to give you got to give Mayfield credit for every now and again he'll put something together and he can pull one of those sort of off schedule magic plays out of his hat because of his mobility and everything. But I just think I think Pittsburgh uh, to Derek's point, I think they're gonna I I, th- I think they're gonna try to run the football a little more. I think and I think they can push Cleveland's defense around a little bit should they choose to do it. I think the Steelers uh, win and cover. So there, there it is. So I think they win and cover. You guys think they win and don't cover. We all think the Saints cover. You guys are picking the t- Titans in an upset. I'm picking the uh, the Ravens to cover as well, three and a half. Uh, I'm picking uh, – both of us are picking Tampa over the Washington football team, but Derek is picking the Washington football team to lose but to cover. And um, be a Seattle – we're all picking Seattle to cover. Is that correct? Yep. And yeah. then you two are picking the Bills to win but not cover, and I'm picking the, the Colts to actually win outright. So there it is. That's the final. And people are asking, uh, since we have uh, Derek and somebody who knows something about football here, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, It's uh, Alabama's giving eight points in the national championship game. It's to Mark's point, 75 is the over-under. Uh, oh, put Just get the circus music going. Um, Derek? Who do you like and does Alabama cover? I got to tell you, I have not watched a lot of college football this year <laughs> just because I've had my own college football to deal with. Um, but, man, I don't know. It's hard to go against Nick Saban in a national championship game. Um, let's say Alabama, uh, but they only win by about four. And what about the what about the over-under? 28-24. So, under. So take the under. All right. Johnny? Uh, I think Alabama wins. Uh, eight's a big number. It's hard to pick eight. But I, I just – I really think Ohio State made the statement that they needed to make um, in the in the uh, semifinal. But I just think too much Alabama. You know, Devontae Smith. It's just, there's just too much. There's Over just under? Um, 75. That seems like a lot. That, that, that seems that seems like a lot, and I just I, I don't I don't know that off you know. And again, I, I'm Justin Fields. What Ohio State did the other day that that uh, really really was great to see, and I he proved a lot to a lot of people. But I just I don't see them putting thirty points up on Alabama. I I just don't. So do you see Alabama covering eight? Yeah, I see Alabama covering, and I and I take the under. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, Alabama's going to cover. And it's the under, I think even 38, 35 doesn't, you know, is still under. Yeah. And to yeah. your point, I don't see Alabama giving him 35 points. I actually don't see Ohio State giving up 38, to tell you the truth. Even even two Alabamas, as, as, as great as they are. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Scoring game. This might be a, you know, 31 to 21 sort of affair. 
Right. All right. That's it. Seven games in the next three days, which is a lot of fun. We've gotten all our predictions out there. That was great. Derek, thank you for joining us for the entire show. Before we go, though, let's do our last set of progressive trivias because even though Joe Connolly got it right, the four or five people that are listening on our podcast don't know as we as we particularly go. Okay, 35,000 passing yards, six-time Pro Bowler, 20-plus TDs in the postseason, went to a school in the ATC at one point, played with Frank Gore and Emmanuel Sanders, 24 game-winning drives, went to two schools. That would be Pittsburgh and Delaware. Thrown as many playoff interceptions as he won playoff games. Look at that pick. He won at least one Super Bowl. You got to you got to go to the YouTube, folks. To check it out. To check out the last picture in our progressive trivia. Top ten active TDs thrown. Top ten active passing yards in one postseason. Had eleven touchdowns and zero interceptions. The reason why that first clue is so tricky, John. It's not just because he went to two schools, but because one of the schools he went to wasn't even in the ACC when he went. So right. it's, it's very, very sneaky. I always very forget sneaky. he started at Pitt. I always forget yeah. that. He is Joe Flacco. There it is, Joe Flacco. Sure. I love like that. an SAT question where all the <laughs> answers seem like the right answer. <laughs> it's right. He wasn't yeah. in the ACC. He was in the Big East. Right, yeah. exactly. I know. Exactly. Just really, really tricky. And, of course, Joe Connolly got it right. Congratulations. All right. For Derek Abbott, John Pelkey, I'm Mark Furr. Enjoy the football this weekend, folks. And we'll talk to you on Monday before the big game. You've been listening to After Further Review. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, everyone.